Hey tribe, what's up? I'm certified nutrition and life coach, personal trainer, Fahim Mujahid. You guys are officially tuned into the Brief Life Podcast. Guys, I'm excited about this opportunity, but more importantly, I'm excited about this Brief Life movement and what we can accomplish together. Welcome home, Brief Life. Hey Tribe, what's going on? This is Coach Paul with the Breathe Life Podcast. Thank you guys for tuning in to Breathe Life into our discussion today. So today's an exciting time for me. Like I'm, I'm, I'm blessed to have the opportunity to have a discussion with one of the people that I feel have been the most influential when it comes to this journey that I've been going on, not only personally, but also professionally. Um, he's a rock star. Again, I'm, I'm honored to be able to share the, the energy, the time, the space on this podcast um, with this beautiful spirit. Um, he's the author of a few of my favorite books, from Power Moves to his most recent, The 22 Day Revolution. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, Marco Borges, pleasure to meet you, brother. Thank you, man. It's great to be here. <laughs> I need to come by here more often. Yeah, yeah. It feels good to be here. Hey, man. Again, before we finish, I'll make sure you, you have. You run down the street, right? Yeah, so that's what I'm, I'm saying. Be knocking on the door. Absolutely. I hope so. I'm, I'm going to create a key for you. There's an Ace Hardware right across the there street. You go. So we'll I love it, it. Thank you, Marco. Again, I know I said this before uh, the show started, but one of the most beautiful and sensitive things that we have in this life is, is time. Um, and I know that this moment that we're we're sharing today is a moment that neither you nor I can ever get back. So the fact that you're willing to share that with me and these listeners, I mean, it means more than I can ever try to put the vocabulary together to communicate. So I just, I'm just so thankful, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. I appreciate that. It means a lot to me when someone really understands, um, you know, the value of time, because I think it's uh, something that too many people take for granted on a daily basis. It's just walking around with their eyes closed. Mm -hmm. um, and, and my, purpose and my passion in life has really been to tap people on the shoulder gently to get them to open their eyes because it's a beautiful world out there. And, Amen. Uh, it goes by too fast, mm -hmm. um, but, but you know, just at the right speed if you're doing the right thing, right? right. So time slows down if you're really focused and, and you're doing the things that you love that are meaningful and that fulfill you and, you know, the rest of the people around you with love and with passion. So mm -hmm. you just all have to get focused. Amen. I love it. I love it. It's, and it's funny. Because one of the things that my wife and I, we talk about a lot is about surrounding, and I know I was telling you this recently, but surrounding yourself with people or images that really remind you of what your purpose or what you're driving towards. And I've probably cut out so many pictures of you online. Like it'll probably, like my wife goes through my, um, my inspirational journals, what I call them. So first page is, is all Oprah, second page, and then there's Marco. And then you keep going and there's just different people up there. But I really go to that journal every day because not only... So, you know, not only the movement that you started here in Miami, the awareness that you're bringing to this to community, but you, when when looking at how you present yourself, not only sharing this knowledge with people, but you do it with so much grace and swag. And I'm like, man, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta figure out how to. Can I just get 10% of that? I think I got the swag, but I got to get the the inspiration and the insight. So whenever I know, or if something comes up where I know you're going to be speaking, or if I could find you online. I always get a chance to try to tie in because I know I'm going to take something so meaningful from it. And, and, and you always inspire me with how you share things to other people. And I'm always looking for ways of how I can connect my work through how you present your work to other people. And one of the things that stood out to me the most, especially given that I'm starting to do a lot more health and life coaching, is the fact that regardless of what platform you're on, it could be a talk show, it could be a podcast, it could be just talking to an audience, you have a way of making sure that everyone feels comfortable at where they are. 
And I think that there's something beautiful in that, that it seems like it's free of judgment. It's free of, hey, you guys need to come to my level because I know the importance of plant-based lifestyle and how it can impact your life. So this is what you need to do. Like whether it's the words in your book or it's a conversation that you have with Oprah or someone on the TV show or something, you always have a way of making sure that although you support and 100% believe in the importance of plant-based lifestyle, that it's okay to come as you are because it's gonna impact you in different ways when you're ready on your own evolution. So can you speak to a little bit of why you felt that was not only important to introduce in your book, but why is it that it seems like there's not an interview that goes by where you don't communicate how important it is for people to feel grateful for where they are, but also welcoming them into this lifestyle that means so much to you and, and why you felt it was necessary to make sure you gave them that degree of comfort. Yeah. Um, thank you. So uh, first of all, you've got it all in space, brother. Yeah. All of it. And uh, yeah. I think life is, it, it just keeps bringing us together serendipitously because we keep on bumping into each other. So yeah, we're man. supposed to be in the same place at the same time. So, Absolutely. Um, you know, it, as far as, uh, as I can um, remember, um, as a kid, I always remember not, never enjoying seeing somebody get, um, you know, I don't know if bullied is the right word, but like, mm. you know, people make fun of other people or people judge other people. I just, it never felt good to me. I was never one that liked to partake in that. I just, mm. I didn't like it. I don't like making fun of other people. I don't like being a part of, you know, making fun of others. You know, I don't mind making fun of myself, but right. I always thought that there was something really off because you just never know how someone else feels. Right. And I think as, um, as a kid, I always realized that I was uh, acutely aware of my surroundings and the fact that we were all wired so differently. And what you see may not be what I see, right? We all, mm. we, we're definitely all living our own reality and, and what may be your reality may not be mine, right? So you may see something that I may not see, but it doesn't make yours right and mine wrong. It doesn't make mine right and yours wrong, right? Mm -hmm. So as I grew, I, I wanted to keep that a, a very important part of who I was and who I am because um, I think that as a society, we tend to judge a lot more than we should and mm -hmm. we love a lot less than we should, right? So I think oh, that wow. people should judge less and love more in general, just mm -hmm. in everything in life, you know, like mm -hmm. your friends, your the people around you, the people that uh, you get to spend time with, you know, we take all of them for granted until one day something happens and you move away or they move away and then you're like, oh man, I wish you were, but you have all that. And when you have it, you really take it for granted. So it's really about being aware, being in the moment and understanding what there is. And then also understanding that we're all different. You know, we're all very, very much alike. We're a lot more alike than we're different, mm -hmm. but Sometimes people get to a destination at a different time that you do. And just because you see something doesn't mean that someone else, you have to shove it down someone else's throat. So I realized that at a certain point, I remember that um, I just kept reading and reading and reading. And I've been a research junkie my whole life. And I realized that the writing one's on the wall, that you know, if we want to really live a really healthy lifestyle, you had to move in the direction of plants because mm -hmm. that's where all the you know benefits were. And I just decided one day, I'd, I woke up and I was like, I'm going to go 100% plant-based today. Like I'm starting mm -hmm. right now. I've just read enough. And when you know better, you got to do better, right? So right. I'm like, I'm going to do better. Mm -hmm. um, I'd seen a lot of diabetes, a lot of heart disease and hypertension in my family. And I just thought, you know, we're not our genes. Our genes don't define us. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we have the ability to upregulate and downregulate gene expression. Um, and it happens through our lifestyle choices. You know, I've, I've said it many, many, many times that, you know, um, disease is hereditary. It's our habits that are hereditary. You watch your parents sit and, you know, eat 
pork chops and you're going to eat pork chops. And if mm-hmm. your parents are sedentary and don't work out, you're not going to work out. You know, mm-hmm. I work out a ton. My kids work out with me. Mm-hmm. I ride bike on Saturday mornings. My kids ride bike with me. We eat super healthy vegan food at home. Mm-hmm. My kids eat super healthy food at home. So our diet is 100% plant-based and my kids have all been born and raised on a 100% plant-based diet. Because if there's something that I can give them, it's that, right? There's there's other things that are that are tangible that you can give your kids, but I, I don't think they're as meaningful as mm. these things that you imprint them with at a very young age. You know, mm. and a lot of times what happens is that kids are are, you know, brought up to some degree at a disadvantage because they're creating all of these terrible habits that then they have to undo later on in their lives. Mm. So I, I knew that I wanted to help empower people with information to help live a healthier lifestyle, but I didn't want to do so in a way that was a conflict with who I was as a person. So I wanted to always be very open-minded about how I guide people down this you know path you know along this journey because quite honestly everyone's different and some mm-hmm. people need you know something different. People have always asked me like, well, what's your favorite form of cardio? Um, my favorite form? Mm-hmm. Well, what's the best form of cardio? Okay, well, what do you like to do? Right. Like, oh, I like to run. Well, that's phenomenal cardio. Because right. if I said it was rowing and you hated rowing, you'd be like, oh, forget it. I'm not doing cardio because, you know, running isn't as good as rowing. Right. It's really about <clears throat> what works for you. Because mm-hmm. when you find something that works for you, you're more likely that you're going to stick with it, right? And the key, you know, the key to just about everything is... You have to be consistent. It's all about consistency. Mm-hmm. The way you eat, the right. way you sleep, the way, you know, you can't just sleep one day a week and be like, oh, I'm good. Mm-hmm. You have to sleep well every single night. And you've right. got to eat well every single day and you've got to move every single day. And you can't treat people nice one day a month and then expect for them to be kind to you. You've mm-hmm. got to be kind all the time, right? right? So I've always been about, you know, behavior modification through habit formation. That's how the whole idea of the 22 day revolution came to be because it was about, you know, how do you get people to change their habit? First of all, how do you get people to change their behavior? In order to get people to change your behavior, you got to get them to change your habits because more often than not, what we do on a daily basis is but a collection of habits. Mm -hmm. You wake up at a certain time, almost always the same. You have almost exactly the same routine every morning for breakfast, whether you eat or don't eat breakfast, if you work out before or after, if you shower. You don't just wake up one day and say, oh, I'm going to run for 10 miles and then I'm going to shower. And then the next day you don't shower in the morning and you don't work out and you go straight to work and you grab a Pop-Tart. It's, right. it's not, that's not the way life is, right? Right, right? We're wired in a way where we create a lot of efficiency in what we do. And when your body sees a pattern, it picks it up and that becomes a habit that's deeply ingrained. Mm-hmm. So if you want to bring about behavior modification, you got to affect the habit. So mm-hmm. by affecting the habit is how you really change behavior. So I, I, I wanted to break it down to the simplest form, which is mm-hmm. like all those little habits that make up our day and then make up our life eventually. Um, but but at the core, it really was about doing so in a way that resonated with who I am and how I feel people should be treated in general. That's awesome, man. That's awesome. And it's funny because you, you know, with just kind of using your cue on the, you know, the importance of habits, right? It's like when you're communicating to a client who has this goal that they may seem that even in telling you their goal, they may think that this just just outward, out of reach, over attainable goal, right? And your job is to make sure that you believe and breathe life into them enough to be able to believe in themselves and visualize themselves accomplishing that. But what makes it even easier for me is I just tell my clients, okay, well, you know the book I told you to buy? Yeah, yeah, I got it at home. Just read the chapter about habits and I'll see you tomorrow. Because you have a way of simplifying it enough to where people can slow down, get out of their own head and just look at, okay, what process am I putting forth every day? Because like you said, if I win those small battles every day, then I'm going to ultimately get to my goal. 
if I want to be that example, the similar, same example you are to your children, if I want to be that example for my son, I have to make sure that I'm just not making these green juices when he's upstairs asleep. You know, it may be more, uh, it may, I may have to pay more attention to him running around and it may require more work. So I may, you know, selfishly, I may say, well, it's easier for me to do the juice if he's upstairs. But him being downstairs and seeing that, those habits that he witnesses every day is what's going to help give him that gift. And I think it's beautiful how you're already thinking two steps ahead about the imprints that you're leaving on your children. And as, as, an, as a father, I can imagine that um, there's nothing more rewarding than seeing that come in your children. So that's really, you know, it really speaks to who you are, not only as a person, but again, one of the many ways in which you inspire people. My grandmother used to always say, never frown, because you never know who's falling in love with your smile. So I imagine if I'm just hearing this, how many people within your proximity see the kind of father you are through your actions and your habits. I can imagine you're probably inspiring so many other people just by being who you are. So I think that's really cool. Thank you, man. Thanks. Yeah, we get it. Uh, in the neighborhood, you'll see us running around and biking. <laughs> and the the other morning, uh, some woman was walking down the street. She was like, eyes closed. And the dog was dragging her. And she's like walking behind the dog. And she looks up and she sees me. She's like, okay, all right, already. All right, already. Get some rest. Go sleep. <laughs> My kids are running. They're like, shh. Right, right, right. And I then she it. starts to laugh. She's like, it's so awesome. I don't know where you get the energy. She's like looking back at me like, what the hell? Right, right, right. But it's just... And, and, the, and the reality is that, you know, in, in I just created, I'm, I'm in the process of writing my fourth book. And, and um, nice. one of the Congratulations, laws. Congratulations, man. man. I was Thank going to ask you that. That was, that, was like, that was like one of my ending questions. But Thank I love you. it. I'm, yeah, I'm yeah. inspired. Let me hear uh, all about I'm, it. I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. It's, okay. it's been a really fun process. Yeah. Um, we're creating laws, um, which oh, is nice. really, really, really cool. You'll, you'll see. I'll, yeah. I'll share every, every book I've read that had the words law in the title uh, is usually a game changer. Oh, it's an absolute game changer. So, um you know, one of the laws is, um, you know, perfection uh, can be the enemy of progress. And I think it's because more often than not, what you find is that we tend to be perfectionists by nature um, mm -hmm. and we want to do everything right. And the minute something doesn't go perfectly as planned, we mm -hmm. like throw our hands up and like, ah, right, that's it, you know, forget right. it. Right. Um, you know, no one ever gained 400 pounds from eating one donut, right? It's right. those that psychological, you know, mm -hmm. emotional battle that you go through as you start to go through these motions. You're like, well, whatever, I already messed up my morning. Mm -hmm. And then that turns into, well, I had a pretty terrible breakfast, so I might as well just, whatever, lunch. Right. And then it's like, oh, dinner. Well, you know, today is the whatever, 20th. I'll just wait to the next month. And then the right. next month turns into, well, summer's gone. I might as well. Right. And I just, you just basically are reacting to everything, right? You're never mm -hmm. really living proactively. Um, so for me, it's really about... Yes, all those things are great, you know, riding bike with my kids, running with them. But if I don't have a perfect day, I don't beat myself up about it, right? Mm -hmm. And if my kids don't, I don't either, right? But mm -hmm. it's about having more of those great days than the not so great days. And if you do that, and at the end of the year, you average out, okay, it's like, you know, you look at the stock market over a certain number of time, they tell you, okay, if you're going to play day to day, you might go crazy. But if you look at it over time, almost mm -hmm. always, you're going to fare well. Yeah. And it's, and it's, Pretty much that, right? It's like mm -hmm. looking at it and saying, okay, I know I'm not going to be perfect and I'm okay with that because to be human is to be imperfect. Mm -hmm. um, but I'm going to do my best to make sure that every day I do everything I can to move, to eat, to drink, you know, to do the right things. Um, mm -hmm. And when I don't have a great day, I'll just, you know, wake up the next day and it's a new opportunity to live the life that you want to live. So you That's go awesome. at it again. That's awesome. You know, one of the things that <clears throat> in my line of work, one of the things, well, in our line of work, I mean, um, uh, being uh, being brothers of the same path. One of the things that I always tell my clients, if you want to get some cardio in, go to Barnes & Noble 
and go back and forth between the nutrition section and the self-help spirituality section. Just do that 10 to 15 times, you'll burn about 600 calories. It's almost like they're always separated. But one of the beautiful, um, beautiful things that I take from your literature and your approach is something that I kind of felt like there was a void there and I was hoping to kind of really just connect with people who are about filling that void and hopefully this podcast being one of them. But one of your, the way you communicate your pillars of success, I mean, you're, you're talking about things like self-love, mindfulness, you know, it's, it's beyond just nutrition. And when I read that or when I came across that in your book, when you're talking about love and community and the important role that plays, and you wouldn't expect to get that out of a nutritional book, well, at least in all the books that I've read. So when I, when I came across that passage in your book, I was really taken aback and I was kind of excited. Like, wow, this is not only, you know, is he, you know, a rock star in nutrition, but he gets how they're all connected to the point where he feels like it's important enough to communicate that. So be it that in a lot of conversation that you're having and a lot of people that I'm sure you're inspiring, do you find that people are usually surprised the connectivity of everything? Like how's every, how everything is interconnected? If you want to live the optimum life, if you want to stay in a mindfulness of excellence, if you want to do things that are going to help you feel your best, yeah, all the spirituality and self-help books are good, but you need to tie nutrition to that. Are you, a, are you surprised whenever you mention that to someone that they to the degree in which they're not aware of how everything is connected? Or do you feel like that's a knowing that we all have and know we're just not necessarily always communicating that to each other? I think that um, most people know that they should all be connected. Um, sometimes the noise gets in the way. The noise being like, you know, the commercials on TV or the fad diets or the, oh, eat more protein, you know, whatever that new fat is. It's all, it's always high protein, low carb, right? Right. It's always like less plants, more meat. Right. Um, whatever fat it is, it's almost always that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that we get confused by the shiny objects and like the, oh, lose 20 pounds in 10 days um, by eating, you know, this way. And you don't stop to think, well, that doesn't really work. It hasn't worked for me 15 times, right? Mm-hmm. The, the definition of insanity is doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result, right? Mm-hmm. You can't expect a different result if you're doing the same thing over and over and over again. You're going to have the same exact result. Mm-hmm. And what happens is that I think that when you bring it to someone's attention, it's like they have that aha moment. They're like, you know what? You're right. Yeah, I've done that 15 times and yeah, I'll lose 10 pounds the first, you know, couple of weeks and then I'll put on 15 pounds and now I'm 100 pounds overweight because it just doesn't work because you're not changing that core behavior. You're not trying to affect the habit. And part of that habit is loving yourself. Part of that habit is stress management. Part of that habit is sleeping well. Um, and, it, and they're all connected. That's why I say like it's all the little habits connected. What's your biggest, um, you know, uh, t- today, what's your biggest obstacle? It's the you know an easy question to ask someone. We're like, well, I don't sleep well. Well, you don't sleep well. You don't wake up with energy in the morning. You don't have energy. You don't want to work out. You don't work out. You think that you need more sugar. You need more sugar. You have a you know, and it's just like one of those spiral mm-hmm. effects, right? Mm-hmm. Um, where uh, one bad action begets another bad action. So it's really uh, taking it uh, to an approach where you look at the the one singular thing where you're struggling the most with and and try to affect change there, right? Like you're not sleeping well. Okay, so let's try to figure out why you're not sleeping well. Um, are you on 
an, uh, you know, electronic device on your bed laying down for an hour before, you know, playing with social media, what have you. Yeah. Well, you know, bright lights stimulate the body and, you know, it throws off your circadian rhythm. Your body thinks that it's morning and you're not going to want to sleep. You start to, and, and you get into the process of why they're not, oh, I get it. Or I'm on my computer or my lights run or I'm watching TV. It's like your bed is for two things. One of them is sleeping. The other one's making right. love to someone you love, right? right, right. It's like, that's it. That's all you should be doing in bed. And when you get to, when people, when you unpack that in a way where people can understand it, they're like, oh yeah, I get it. Once they start practicing that, then that corrects one thing, but that will affect so many other things in their life. So they look at that and they're like, oh, that was the thing. Like I woke up with more energy. You know what? I want to go to the gym today. And now mm -hmm. that person that wasn't going to the gym all of a sudden is taking a spinning class or coming here for a one-on-one -on -one with you. Mm -hmm. And then they just worked out for an hour and they're like, man, I can't have like junky food for lunch after I just did this. Mm -hmm. Like I got to put something great into my body. And now you have the exact opposite happening, right? So right. one great action begets another great action. And that's all it is sometimes. It's just taking it because what happens is sometimes it feels so big that it feels like it's something you can't put your hands around. And it's like, mm -hmm. don't worry about it. Start with one, right. one step, right? Like right. you don't finish a marathon in one step. Right. It's 26.2 miles. Right. Like there's a reason there, there's a marker that says mile one, mile two, mm -hmm. mile three, so that you could see where you're going. And, and more importantly, you see what you have to do to get to where you want to go, right? Mm -hmm. So I think it's the same thing. Take it, take it, you know, take that mile one marker and use it to get you to mile two and mm -hmm. take that mile two and use it to get you to mile three. Um, but yeah, I think for um, for the most part, people understand. Mm -hmm. um, they just uh, need a, a gentle reminder here and now yeah. um, to to really get to to do what they need to do to to make the things happen that they would like to happen. Yeah, and, and the way you remind um, the way you remind people, you 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 do it with a, a, a again, it's, it's a very loving, conscious way, and I think it's you know I think it's rare um, in in the industry. Um, the and it's not to say that. People who are are making um, changes and leading the charge in nutrition aren't passionate about what they do, but I do think there's a lot to be gained in how you communicate that lovingly to other people. And again, like I mentioned, you do it in a way that seems um, very sincere and it doesn't come from a judgmental place. And and when you speak about things like you say, like simplifying and, and evolving to that, um, one of the things that were important to me, the evolution of becoming where I am now. So I, I'm. I'm um, I consider myself plant-based. I've been plant-based now for a number of years, but it was a it was an evolution. Um, and one of the things that really made me feel at home with reading your book was that, you know, you constantly you see all the T-shirts that say "all oh, vegan" on it, or, or the stickers that have like "vegetarian." Like I think I have like five vegan stickers on. I'm like, oh my god, I just want to connect. Yes, I'm vegan. Like let's rock out because everyone's like excited about being vegan now. But one of the things that you say is that hey, you know what? Focus more on being plant-based because you can be unhealthy vegan. And also, I think it makes it easier for people to digest when you say, hey, you know, just incorporate. Just start with incorporating more whole foods and more plant-based. Don't feel like you have to live up to a certain definition of what this word means. Um, so I. I found solace and comfort in you saying that and acknowledging that in the book. But why did you feel it was important? Was it was it important for you to say that because you wanted to make sure, just as you weren't judging those people, that they felt comfortable in being able to just start with just focus on just consuming plants. Don't live up to, hey, you know what, I want you to be where I'm at and I, and I define myself as being vegan and this is what you should do. You wanted to leave, was it because you wanted to leave room for people to find that within themselves while focusing on just incorporating more plants? I realized early on that whenever I mentioned um, the word vegan, people freaked out. They were like, 
oh, that's not, I, I don't want to associate with that. And I would ask why. And they would say, well, I'm vegan. That's like hippie. Don't wear deodorant. <laughs> they smell. They were like flip-flops. Birkenstocks. Dirty feet. <laughs> they're hugging trees in Colorado. And if you wear a fur coat, they're throwing paint on you. And it all felt really negative. Right. And I was like, wait, but that's not, I don't see myself that way. Like I wasn't associating myself to that. Like I didn't see myself in that. I don't judge people. I don't, you know, wear flip-flops. I'm not, a, you know, I'm I'm a tree hugger, but like I'm a nice tree hugger. I'm not you know, trying to be mean Palm to people, Beach, right? Palm Beach tree hugger. <laughs> yeah, man. You know, like I, I want to live a good life. I just, you know, I'm doing this because, um, you know, the, the truth is, is I selfishly moved in the direction of a plant-based diet because I just saw all the disease around me. And I just mm-hmm. thought, you know, if we know better, we have to do better. And I, I've, I can't set my kids up for failure. Um, mm-hmm. When I have kids, I want to set them up for success. And I also love life so much. I'm that guy that loves life so much. I jump out of bed every single day and I'm like, yes, I get to do this again. Like yes. I love my life. I love life. I love nature. I love being outside. I, I, I can't travel enough. I can't explore enough. Like I love every bit of every second of every day. I'm mm-hmm. that guy. And to think that I could do something that would jeopardize the way that I live my life because I'm not eating the right foods, like it's not that deep. Mm-hmm. Like seriously, right. I could find really great food that's nourishing, you mm-hmm. know, from the inside out and not worry about, you know, whether or not I'm going to get diabetes like the like when you look at the numbers, it's scary. It's like, you yeah. know, one out of every two Americans is going to have right. heart disease. One out right. of every three Americans is going to have diabetes. I'm like, "Wait a minute. There's three of us in here right now. Why do we have to pick?" Like that right. just doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. And that the idea that heart disease is still the number one killer in the world, it, it it's just to me. It's mind blowing. It's it's mm-hmm. it's unacceptable. It really is. I mean, my phone vibrating in my pocket. My kids calling me Facetime. Like mm-hmm. someone could be calling me from Japan Facetime. We could see somebody's face on the other side of the world through a phone. Mm-hmm. Like we all grew up in an era where there weren't you know weren't right. cell phones, right? right? So we remember pulling that cord and oh, being like, "Hey, yeah. what's up?" Yeah. You know. Absolutely. Now to know that we've come that far in such a short period of time, yet we are still dying from our own lifestyle choices, to me makes no sense whatsoever. So I didn't Mm. want to be any part of that, right? So that's Mm. why I went plant-based. And then I stayed plant-based, to be honest, for the animals. And just Mm. when I started to look at how we farm our animals and just the things that we do, the atrocities that we do, I just said, I I, I could not be a part of it. I just couldn't. Mm. And I just decided, I was like, I will never go back. Mm. And I'm one of those guys that if I say I'm going to do something, I just, I'm, I'm really focused. Yeah. So I just said, I'm, I'm just not going back. I'm not right. doing it. I don't want to be a part of a system that does that. Um, so when I started to have conversations with my friends or my family members, like, oh my God, that's like a cult. People are crazy. And I was like, no, it really isn't like that. You know? So I thought, you know, Let's really focus on what it really is. It's eating plant-based foods, right? Mm-hmm. Let's let's redefine it because they were like, well, you're Cuban. You can't be plant-based. That doesn't make any sense. That's blasphemous. Yeah, yeah. So for me, it was like, okay, we're going to redefine this. We're going right. to turn this into something really cool. We're going to turn this into something that isn't defined by, you know, your race, by your color, by your ethnicity, by your, you know, mm-hmm. socioeconomic status, by your geographical location. Mm-hmm. You're just eating great foods that are nourishing for you, that are better for the planet, and that are going to sustain life on earth, right? Like that's the way I want it to be thought of. Um, and then there's also something that was happening around the same time, like people that I would talk to be like, oh, yeah, yeah I, went, I went 100% plant-based. And they're like 100 pounds overweight. <laughs> and I'm like, well, um, can I help you? 
Like, can I, you know, like you, you don't want to come to it from a position of judgment, but if you're doing the right thing, you should look right. Right. And, you know, I've been in this business for a long enough period of time where I could tell you that um, if someone is morbidly obese, they're doing something wrong. Like it's, it's not a genetic thing. Like I've, I've never once in, you know, I've, I'm, 46 years old now. I've been doing this since I was 18. Mm-hmm. I've never once seen a condition, ever once seen a condition where someone was morbidly obese because they're eating all the right foods. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen. They were doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. So for me, it really was about, okay, well, if we're moving into the direction just for, if we're going to make vegan cool, mm-hmm. that might be dangerous because making just the word vegan cool might tell people just eat nachos and salsa all day long and you're going to be good. But the reality is that in 10 years, 15, 20 years, the results are going to come in. They're going to be like, well, turns out a vegan diet's not so good for you. Right. Um, you know, have all these Franken meats and you have all these mm-hmm. pro- super processed burgers now that, mm-hmm. you know, do everything that a real burger does. And that's like kind of, you know, you're stepping into territory where it kind of starts to um, offset you know, the benefits of a truly plant-based diet. So mm-hmm. when I went at it, I was like, okay, I want people to understand what I mean by when I say a plant-based diet. You know, mm-hmm. it's a whole food plant-based diet made of real food, real ingredients. When you look at our recipes, all the recipes are made with real ingredients, super simple, really mm-hmm. clean. I choose organic because it's it's better for me, it's better for the planet, everyone wins. Um, but at the end of the day, really, um, it really was about defining it in a way that wasn't uh, going to judge people mm-hmm. um, and that wouldn't put people in a position where immediately they put a guard up. It was right. about getting people to really um, want to feel part of something bigger and that was more inclusive by definition rather than exclusive. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's as simple as that. It's sort of a long-winded way to explain that. No, man. I, I Again, I'm, I'm taking it all in. You don't understand this conversation is going to inspire me for years. Right. So I'm, I'm just, you know, just trying to take it all in. But one of the things, you know, you're talking about that, that passion that from which you live your life. Um, I think it's one, it, it, it resonates with me because I can totally relate to that. I think growing up and playing football, you just, and, and in my culture too, meat is such a prominent part of what you're, or what society is telling you that you should eat, especially when you're playing a violent sport. So when I stopped playing football, I started consuming plants. I realized I didn't ache as much. I felt good. I wanted to get up. I felt inspired. So just kind of have you, what you naturally are feeling like that's something that's always been a part of you. Can you speak to like making a transition to eating plants? Do you feel like that added to the passion and the excitement that you live each moment to? Or do you feel like from the very beginning, you always had that awareness to make sure that you treated every moment with honor and, and, and excitement because, again, the journey itself is beautiful? Or was that something that was highlighted, that that feeling came along with transitioning the transition that you made to plants? Yeah. You know, I, I'd love to be able to say that it all changed when I started eating plants. But the reality is that it is it didn't happen that way. I've mm-hmm. just been this way. I was born this way. Like mm-hmm. I was just as a kid, I just loved life. You know, as a right. guy that was running around like twenty four hours, you come my mom and she'll <laughs> tell you, Oh yeah. His teachers called me right up until the day he graduated. They're like, He's got so much energy. He's such a good kid. He could do so much. He's right. just got so much So I was just that guy, right? So it was right. like, uh, I just have always been this way. Um and it's like what made it difficult was that when I decided to transition to a plant-based diet, everyone was like, well, you're super fit. You don't suffer from any diseases. You're, you're good. Like, why, like, why the drama? Like, right. what, you know, right. what, what's this all about? But the reality is that if you, if you wait to get sick, then it's too late. Mm. And, and we're conditioned um, as a society to do that, right? We mm-hmm. just wait until it's too late. And I think people in general, Mm-hmm. They're just super reactive, yeah. um, which is 
kind of nuts, mm-hmm. right? Like when you think about it, um, yeah. we should be guiding our lives. We shouldn't be sitting in the back seat of our life. You mm-hmm. should be sitting in the driver's seat. It's your mm-hmm. life. You're like you're the you're the lead actor. You're the you're the star. Mm-hmm. Why are you playing an extra to your own life? Like yeah. you shouldn't do that. And what happens more often than not is that you find people will do. They, they'll just go around with their eyes closed, um, and um, one day they wake up and something happens, and they go to the doctor and they tell them, "Oh, you have type one diabetes, or you have type two diabetes, or you have hypertension, or you have high cholesterol, or you have mm-hmm. arrhythmia, whatever it is." Right. And they're like, "Oh, what do I do now?" Like, you could take this pill, and you know, you'll be good. Right. And again, still reactive, right? Mm-hmm. You're treating a symptom. You're not treating the underlying cause. You're treating a symptom. Right. To me, that just never made sense, ever. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't about me trying to treat a condition. It was about me avoiding conditions. It was about me not wanting to, like hearing that one in three, I was like, oh, hell no, I'm not, no, count me out. I'm, I'm, no, I'm not in that. Mm -hmm. I'm not, I don't even want to be in that room. Um, Because it just, it means that I'm letting someone, I'm giving agency over my health to someone else and I will never do that, ever. Mm You know, we expect our doctors, and doctors are great people, man. Doctors are amazing human beings, and there's this whole contingency that'll tell you that you know doctors are all evil, and that mm-hmm. big pharma is doing this, and that big pharma is trying to kill us, and that mm-hmm. big food is trying to kill us, and there's this big conspiracy. I don't believe that. Mm-hmm. I believe that the, the food giants are giving us exactly what we want, which is delicious food that is super inexpensive, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. That's what people ask for. Really delicious food that's inexpensive. I read an article the other day. Like people will go vegan as long as they don't have to sacrifice taste. <laughs> that's that. But that's that's the general consensus, right? Mm-hmm. Like you could do anything to my food, just make sure it still tastes great. Well, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. Like how do you define that? Right? That's so right. subjective, right? right? So to me, it really was about understanding that um, I had the power to make a difference in my life and perhaps maybe affect some of the people around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I got lucky, maybe I could affect some other lives as well. Um, but the but the reality is that far too many people live um, waiting for something to happen, and then when something happens, they don't really do anything to to fix it. They just try to mask the symptoms. They like constantly putting band aids um, over the issues, um, mm-hmm. and then you know something massive happens, and it's really unfortunate. I read somewhere um, a week ago that we prescribe over four billion drugs a year in this country, which is like the equivalent mm-hmm. of 13 drugs, prescription drugs for every man, woman, and child on this, in wow. this country, wow. which is <clears throat> absolutely mind-blowing, mm-hmm. right? It's mind, but, but it's, it's commonplace. Yeah. Like you ask people, like, you know, do you mind me asking if you like, are you on any prescription drugs? And people tell, oh yeah, yeah, I'm on this and this and this and this. Mm-hmm. You're like, oh, okay. Well, yeah. Did you ever think of doing anything about your hypertension? Now it's Hereditary. My whole family's been hypertensive. Yeah, well, they all eat the same shit. Right. Yeah. Like, if you stop eating that food, maybe your genes will change. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it really has always been about um, being in control of my health and you know um, allowing doctors to do what they do. Right. We go to the doctor once a year. Maybe if if you're lucky, people will go to the doctor once a year to get a physical, mm-hmm. and they expect that doctor to know more about them in that one 15 minute visit than they know about themselves. Mm-hmm. You wake up every single day, you look in the mirror, you know what mole is new, you know how your body feels, you know why your elbow aches mm-hmm. or if your back is crickety or what, you know, if your digestion is right, if you're going to the bathroom the right way, like all these things about yourself. You go to the doctor and in one quick 15 minute visit, you expect them to tell you everything that's wrong with you mm-hmm. and then to fix it right. with, you know, a couple of prescriptions and, and 
And it's unfortunate, but that's what we've conditioned them to do. And mm-hmm. I say, you know, let's let's take back, you know, that control. Let's 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 not give agency over our health to anyone. And let's let the doctors focus on the things that they really need to focus on, those really terrible diseases that don't have cures, you know, mm-hmm. curing paralysis, curing things that they can't cure. Because mm-hmm. imagine it's it it's it's akin to like having um you know, a smoke detector and a fire alarm in this building, right? Imagine mm-hmm. if we like pulled the fire alarm and so did everybody else down this block, mm-hmm. right? And then the fire department comes rushing over here and they're like, what's going on? They got the hoses, they're like suited up. And we're like, oh, we're just, we're just messing around. We just voluntarily just pulled the fire alarm. And then like a mile down the road, there's a real fire and then people die because there's no firemen that can help them out because they're all over here taking right. care of nonsense. And I think that's what's happened to our medical system is they're so more often than not, they're taking care of things that don't really, that shouldn't be issues mm-hmm. right. um, like heart disease and like, you know, right. uh, type two diabetes and all these things that we know we have found a cure to these things. Like we have the cure right in front of us mm-hmm. and we're not taking care of it. And then we can't allow the doctors and the researchers and all the scientists to focus on the things that really need help. Like these poor people that are dying of these diseases don't have any cures. Mm-hmm. That's really unfortunate. Right. And I think that if we all wake up as a society and we focus on you know, being better as individuals, mm-hmm. um, we'll allow people to live much healthier lives as a result because we'll allow them to focus on the things they really need to focus on. And I love your mindset. I mean, never settling for the victim mindset. And like you said, not projecting any fault or blame on anything. Because like you said, our, you know, you know, you hear, again, there's so so much literature, again, bashing, whether it's a medical, you know, institution or big pharma, like you said. But you're, you know, you coming from a place of love saying, hey, you know what? It's, it's, it's our responsibility to make sure that we gain that, that power back to ourselves and understand that as a society, we've adapted to this reductionist way of looking at things and treating not so much the cause, but the symptoms itself. And I find that in conversations, the hardest thing to do is get people out of that mindset of the matrix and understanding that if you just start incorporating the fundamentals of what it means to fuel your body the right way, you'll be surprised how everything's all connected. Step away from the elephant and stop, and, and, and stop just looking directly at the leg and assuming, okay, well, if the leg is turning colors or if there's a rash on the leg, let me give you a pill that's going to solve that issue of the leg. But it's not until you step back and look at the entire elephant that you're able to see, okay, let's focus on the entire body and, and, and fueling itself in a way that's going to heal itself. And all the other things that come up in concern will start settling and take care of themselves but you're doing that from a place of ownership as, as opposed to being a, being anyone's victim. And I think that message is something that more people need to hear because I think also as a society, we're comfortable with placing blame without looking to ourselves for how we can be better. So the fact that you take it that step even further to say, hey, you know, all these places are great. All these places are great. And it's no one's fault, but what we've communicated, that's important. Same thing with the news. We communicated that there's more value in hearing negativity and seeing negativity. So that's more of what we get. So going back to your analogy with pulling the fire alarms, you know, I hope you don't pull mine because I got to see if mine is up to code. I mean, I'm, <laughs> so they may not come here. I look, but they may come, see one. Right I don't there. even know if you have one to be honest right, with you. Right, so they may not come here, but they may come to the surrounding businesses. So we're gonna, we may have to run down the street a little bit. But like you but like you were saying, kind of like making sure that they're able to use those resources in places that, that really need it. And I think that's commendable. And, and that's a message that we all need to make sure that we emulate and communicate to each other. And I think that's great. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, I'd say, you know, I don't want Burger King to go out of business. I don't want McDonald's to go out of business. I just don't buy anything there because I'm hoping that they'll get the picture. 
mm-hmm. because there's a lot of doors that could be feeding a lot of people, right? When mm-hmm. they realize that people no longer want to eat cheap burgers um, that are full of, you know, whatever it is that they pull in them, mm-hmm. um, they'll change. And when they change, then we can start supporting them, right? Mm-hmm. If you support, you know, sometimes you get people like, oh, I eat this because there's nothing else in the menu. We vote with our pocketbook every single day, multiple times a day. And that vote, counts or something. I, I remember I had a conversation with a friend of mine that was used to work at one of the food giants and told me that they had a, um, uh, a focus group. And he's like, this is what we think about focus groups. Um, so they, they were like, you know what? We think we're throwing our money away with focus groups. This guy was really just a really bright marketer and went from like a small company into like a big food. And he's like, you guys are throwing away tons of money, like millions of dollars a year on, on these focus groups. People always lie. They're like, no, no, it's, it's great data. He's like, all right, let me spend the money on the next focus group. And um, he went in and they're like, um, so what kind of food do you eat? And they're like, oh, I eat super healthy food. And I'm like, okay, cool, cool. Um, how about you? Do you eat organic? Oh, yeah, yeah. Every, I buy everything organic. Oh, cool. How about, what, how do you guys feel about gluten? Oh, everything is gluten-free. Everything I eat is gluten. How about you? Yeah, yeah, no, everything is gluten-free. Super cool. Um, what about processed foods? And the, the guy went, like, you see where I'm going, right? Mm-hmm. Went down this whole list, like, mm-hmm. you know. Basically, how are you eating? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it like, you know, um, is it where you should be with with regards to health and, you know, eating foods that are unprocessed and clean? Um, And everyone was like super clean, super unprocessed and um, no gluten, always organic. And then they're like, okay, cool. Um, Do you mind if we take a look in your pantry? Uh, Yeah, sure. And then they open the pantry and they're like, oh, what are these 17 (laughs) packs of... (laughs) Of, uh, you know, crackers that are loaded with wheat. No, 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 those aren't for me. Those are for my kids. Oh, those are for your kids. Like 70 boxes of like, you know, what are these 14 bags of like extra large, whatever, Tostitos or whatever brand they they happen to have in their potato chips. Oh, no, no, no. That's like uh, for when we have a party. And it was like literally up and down. Everything was exactly the opposite of what they asked them. Wow. Right, and I and and I and I only bring that up because you know more often than not you get people to tell you you know why they eat the way they eat. Right? Mm-hmm. Oh, I work at a place where oh everything is junk. You know, there's just nothing good mm-hmm. near my office. Oh, and I, I I I don't drink water. I drink you know soda because water is so expensive. I don't you know I I don't have access. And and there's always so many excuses, mm-hmm. so many excuses for why they're reacting to their lives. And again they're basically playing a role of an extra Mm. because if you're the star, if you're the lead star, you're like, hey, listen, um, I noticed that the vending machine doesn't have anything but these, you know, junky crackers. Um, Can you guys do something about that? And if not, then you go and you buy your own snacks and you put them in your drawer. Like you look ahead, like Mm. you plan, you plan for success, right? Like people don't, plan to fail they're failing because they're not planning and they're waiting until that moment where they're thirsty and they're like oh well they only have soda but if they keep buying that soda they're going to keep replenishing it they're going to be like oh soda's selling really well they're like no I really prefer water but I'm only buying it I don't buy soda if I go to the market and they don't have water I don't buy anything Right. If they don't have what I want, I just don't, I don't buy it. And more often than not, we're settling for things that we're not, um, that we would prefer not to have in our lives, but it's that settling that's creating more of it. Mm-hmm. And, and the moment we stop to settle and we start to put our, you know, our, our money where our, you know, thoughts are, 
and and we really vote with what it is that we want, it, that's when the change will happen. Um, I don't support any, any of the fast food restaurants because, not because I don't like fast food restaurants, but because they don't have good food. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a few that'll open you know, obviously like grown that right. are doing it right. That you're right. like, man, I want to stop in there four times a day, right. not once, four, because right. I want them to understand that this is what we need more of in our communities. Mm-hmm. Um, and so. when people do that, when people stand up and do that, you've got to support it, right? That's like awesome. everyone wants a juice bar n- in their neighborhood, but when they open the juice bar, they're like, oh my God, $7 for a juice. Pff, oh, right. I'd rather pay $2 for Coke and then $96 <clears throat> for the drugs I'm going to need when the Coke <laughs> destroys my system, right? Right. But, you know. Yeah. Well, you know, and, and I, and again, I, I, I appreciate and, I, and I'm taking so much and so much inspiration and wisdom from this conversation. I want to be uh, sensitive to the amount of time that you have. Um, before we jump into this segment that I call the red zone, I wanted to ask you a personal question because one thing that's um, clear to feel, to see, I mean, you can, it's so, there's so much energy around you, you can almost pull it out from the sky and from the, from the space and, and feel it and grab it. You have this. You seem to have this energetic purpose to yourself. And one of the uh, podcasts in the, in the in the past, we talked about the importance of being in connection with your purpose. And when you're around someone who understands what their purpose is, it could be something that catapults you into your purpose altogether. And coming from being this rock star trainer here in Miami and, and spinning with some of the best people here in Miami, to all the opportunities that you have, and then writing literature like the one that you're working on, that I'm kind of excited more than excited to, to tear into, but even what you've done with nutrition, you know, you're just like we all, we, our purpose evolves. When was there a point in your life recently or within, you know, probably in the past where you understood what your purpose, did it become clear to you or do you feel like you're still figuring that out as you're going on this journey? No, it's always been crystal clear to me. Ever since I was a kid, I remember when I was like six years old, I knew that I wanted to help others out. I remember that my grandmother, um, I thought was old. I figured it out just a few months ago in this writing process that because I tried to figure out how old she was when I was six or seven. Mm-hmm. And I did the math and my grandma was like in her 40s, like early 40s. And I was like, wow, she wasn't old at all. She was like me. Like I'm 46. I could have been my grandmother, right? Mm-hmm. I could have been Mima. Um, and I remember we would go walk and Mima would love to be outside. And every once in a while she'd take like, you know, I was always running around the neighborhood. She would like open up her p- pocketbook and put a little pill under her tongue. It was nitroglycerin because she suffered from a a whole host of issues we won't get into now, but she was in in great health. Mm -hmm. I was just like, man, why do you, Mima, why do you take that? And she was like, well, I, you know, I have bad heart and it's, you know, hereditary and we have this and this and that. And I just thought to myself, well, I I wish I could fix that. I want to fix that. Um, That's just not, it's not right. People shouldn't have to live like that. Life is too beautiful to have to stop and worry about your heart or you know, mm-hmm. not making it to the next block because you can't breathe. Um, so I knew that I wanted to become a doctor at a really young age. And then I pivoted, you know, a series of pivots led mm-hmm. me down this path. Um, but um, um, when I graduated high school, I started to study biology, which was you know, for, pre, for my pre-med program. And then I realized that medicine was just far too reactive and I wanted to do something more proactive than just wait for people to get sick. Um, but it's always been crystal clear. Mm-hmm. Um, and to, to be really honest, um, I have, um, I've been living this, um, this uh, I, I, you know, probably 20 years ago or so, I came across a word that I love, um, which is kaizen which is the Japanese word for continuous self-improvement. And I just fell in love with this word because I felt like it was something that was in me that I didn't know how to articulate. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. because I'm that person that just every day wants to wake up and be better. I want to mm-hmm. be kinder. I want to be nicer. I want to be sweeter to my kids. I want to be like I, I, to everyone, to the world, to the universe. You know, mm-hmm. did I hold enough doors open today? Did I do like I just I'm that guy. Like mm-hmm. I I just I thrive off of it. And it's not for others. It's it's really for me. I just get a lot of pleasure out of it. Mm-hmm. And that continuous self improvement is really my mission. Really, it's it's not just to bring it into my life more, but to help others bring it into their lives. Because if there's one thing we need more of in this world today, it's more love, more compassion, more kindness. Um, and if you practice something like Kaizen, which is continuous self-improvement, you wake up every single day with a new purpose to want to do something different that will lead to a happier life for you and for those that are around you. Oh, that's awesome. Man, I got I got to... I, I got to call my tattoo artist right now. I think I got it all figured out. I was, she was waiting for me. I have her on retainer. I should, I was, but I, I got it. I got it figured out. Man, no, but that's, man, that's awesome. The continuous, uh, you know, to self-improvement. I mean, that's I think it. that's beautiful, man. If you don't mind, I, I'm going to hopefully take that word, along, you know, on this journey with me as well as I, you know, work towards fulfilling my life and my purpose. You know, and, and I think it's kind of like when you see uh, a lot of, rock star athletes getting more into like golf and tennis and soccer as opposed to the traditional basketball and football as a society and we're we're better for you and your talents to be a part of the front lines of this movement that's happening um so i'm grateful that you followed the inspiration that you got and throughout those pivots that lead you in the direction that you are because you are changing lives and more importantly um personally you've inspired me to do what i the work that i do and um, it's because of you. I know that there's a ceiling that's far outseeds my uh, my my vision for myself. So I hope to be able to one day, um, when when all is said and done, be able to look across and and be somewhere close to um, giants like yourself and other people that inspire me. And uh, so I think it's. I just wanted to say I, I appreciate you and, and the role that you play. And um, and I'm glad you didn't go into the the doctor realm because I I think you being your talents and your energy. Um, and your love being on the front lines as opposed to on the on the other lines um, means a lot to me, and I can imagine it's already impacting so many people. So where they would get out of being in the situation and where they would need someone in the medical um, profession. So thank you for that. Thank you. Thank you. So out of fairness of your time, this is so we call this the red zone. So these are just kind of like fun, fast questions, and I'm and I'm dying to, I'm dying to hear your feedback on it. So there's just three simple questions, and we'll get you out of here. Um, so the first thing is, uh, what are two things you love? Oh my goodness, my kids, mm. life, my wife. I mean, the two. That's that's. That, you asked the wrong guy that question. Sorry, <laughs> man. We have to change that question. You don't like the question. Yeah, you have to change it up. Yeah, two hundred. My yeah. wife, my kids, yeah. my family. My family yeah. is like is everything to me. My, nice. you know, I I I wake up with so much purpose and so mm. much passion every day because of them. Um, I've got an amazing family. I've got an amazing wife. I've got amazing kids. My mom. Mm. My brother, my sister, um, mm. the people around me. I'm surrounded by greatness. Um, mm. and, and they allow me to do what I do. Um, they mm. inspire me to do what I do. But it's mm. because of them that, I, that I'm the man that I am. So I, awesome. I owe everything to them. Wow. I, I think you've officially changed the first question of the red zone now. It's going to be note to self, two to 200. All right. <laughs> so then what about if you could run away anywhere now, where would you go? Anywhere in the world. I'm exactly where I want to be right now. Yeah. I'm not running away anywhere. I'm nice. exactly where I want to be. Nice. Um, I'll be Cheers. I'll be traveling in the next couple of days, but I'm exactly where I want to be right now. It almost always happens to be that way. Nice. Cheers. Cheers to that. And then one thing you know to be true. Truth. Mm. Your your truth is 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 everything, really. Mm. It's your it's your passion, it's your calling, it's 
you know, your honesty, it's your, who you are, the fabric of, of, you know, what makes you, you is, is that eternal truth that only you know, right? And mm -hmm. then hopefully you can share with as many people as possible. Um, but, um, you know, it's, it's part of that. Uh, I think that, um, that feeling that makes you appreciate life as much as you do and, um, understand that, um, it's super finite mm -hmm. and we're only here for a very short period of time, but you know, if we do it right, once is definitely enough. Mm. Well, brother, I, again, I, I can be sitting here having this conversation with you all day and it would mean just as much tonight if we were still talking as it means in this very moment. I agree with you. I think regardless of what you're doing, where you are in, in, in this, in, in, at this current moment is where you're supposed to be. And I know without a doubt that this conversation is going to be able to touch someone who really needs it because not everyone's blessed with an opportunity to be able to run into Marco Borges in front of Barnes and Noble, um, or, or have a discussion amongst their peer groups about how, you know, self-fulfillment and all that connects and correlates to nutrition. So I hope that these words inspire and connect to people who feel lost at times. Um, but more importantly, I hope they are a voice to inspire people just as much as you've inspired me through this conversation. So again, I'm, I'm, I'm so humbled, but I'm infinitely grateful for you taking this time and this opportunity. And just closing out, is there anything you would want to say to the listeners as you close out? Um, because again, I appreciate you being here and, and um, yeah, and I'm, I'm still in awe from the conversation. So I'm, I'm, I'm grateful. Thank you. The, the reality is that I, I have to thank you as much as you thank me. I thank you for your positivity, for your kindness, um, for your um, amazing spirit and, and wonderful energy. Uh, there hasn't been a time that I've run into you that I haven't felt great. <laughs> and that, that always feels good to run into people that you feel like they have, their energy is aligned with yours. Um, I remember the first time we met in, uh, in Brickell yeah. um, and we, we bumped into each other again and, and, um, it's, it's always been nothing but, um, but great oh. times. So I appreciate you. Thank oh, you for thank the invitation. You, thank you for being such a great host. Thank you, and, uh, I'm sure I'll see you around real soon. Cheers. Thank you. All right, guys. Thank you guys for listening again. I hope, and I know this was as meaningful and as magical for you guys as it was for me. Thank you guys for tuning in, uh, to the Brief Life podcast. And I hope that this has been able to breathe a little life into your own journey. Peace and blessings.